Everyone loves a great comeback story. You don't need to live in chronic physical pain. Small changes, consistent commitment, and the right education can help you live a pain-free life. Today's guest is going to teach you how to create your own comeback story. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Coming to you somewhere in the mountains of Utah, I am your host, Steve Cutler, and uh, we are really fortunate today to be joined by a returning guest, uh, somebody whose first episode we did still sits in the top five of our most downloaded and most listened to, most watched episodes, uh, Vinny Crispino. Vinny, welcome back to the Evolve Podcast. Good to be back. Thanks for so having me on again. So great to have you. Well, folks, for if you haven't listened to episode 27 with Vinny, please go do so after this episode. Uh, as I said, it still sits in the top five of our overall most downloaded episodes. Uh, Vinny Crispino, uh, CPT, CES, and PAS is the author of Breaking Your Limits, How to Master the Paradigm Shift Away from Pain, and is the president of the Pain Academy. Vinny says, I believe everyone has the ability to have a great comeback story. Breaking my back in my early 20s was life-changing for me in many ways. It led me to finding the true purpose and passion in life to help others in need. I spent the past decade learning and mastering the art and science of corrective exercise, teaching people all over the world how to move and to feel better. Now, Vinny, I came across your um, Instagram account, I don't know how long ago, but it certainly became an instant favorite. And it's something that I come back to on a regular basis. You know, when I was a kid, I used to watch television and there were um, TV shows every Thursday night or every whatever it was that I would go back to. Now I don't do that as much. I mean, I don't watch very much TV, but I find myself in the same cadence or the same habit of wanting to come back to your Instagram channel to watch that just like I did with TV shows when I was a kid. Uh, you put out great content, so I, I'm really excited to get going on another episode. Now, before we dive too deep into the content, um, I want to congratulate you on your recent accomplishment. This was your first ultra, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. That it was. What a what a cool accomplishment! Can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the most recent race and and uh, how how did it feel? What was it like to do your first ultra? So this ultra was a 50 mile run. Um, and you know, technically an ultra is, is anything over the normal classic marathon, 26.2 miles. This wasn't just a 50 mile run though. The course, the terrain was brutal. It has been said, uh, unofficially that it's one of the hardest courses to run 50 miles on. We're talking through the Oregon oh, wow. mountain range. There's 15,000 feet of vertical gain up, 15,000 feet down, 30,000 foot total change over Ouch. the course of 50 miles. Um, it was brutal and it was amazing. And I got so much out of this experience. Um, 
just for some context, I've never been a runner. I've hated running my whole life. Really, the la- before I started training for this thing, the last time I ran was, I think, probably sixth grade doing the mile test for fitness and PE. That was it. Every okay. time I ran, it was just, <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Things are bouncing that you didn't think should be bouncing up and down. Like it wasn't good. Right, right. I've never been a on land kind of guy. I've always been a, been a, uh, in the water kind of an athlete. So running was a very foreign concept for me. And I wish I had years and years of experience to build upon, but I just started running about two, maybe two and a half years ago. So this wow. is a completely new experience for me. Um, I, I like to say that it took two years to train for this, but this this race crossing that finish line was 14 years in the making. You know, movement stopped and my life stopped as I shared last time uh, when the first time I was on your podcast when I broke my back. And you know, after after doing the things and learning the things that I needed to do to start moving and feeling better, I kind of got to this point a few years ago where. I was making a huge impact in other people's lives. I was working with pro athletes. I was getting people back to playing with their kids and doing and, and accomplishing uh, all the things on their bucket list that they wanted to do. But I was just not doing that. You know, I thought just rehabilitating my back and having a, a baseline quality of life was good enough. Man, there was so much more I was leaving on the table. And so I kind of had this thought of, why am I getting everybody else to cross the finish line, but I'm not, you know, I kind of settled with the story that I had about, okay, I broke my back. Now I can walk without, you know, crutches or a wheelchair. Now I can at least play with my kid that that's gotta be good enough, but it wasn't. And I felt like I could do so much more with the things that I've learned over the years. And so I started training for this race and, um, I, I had only, you know, it took about a, a full year to be able to run a marathon and try to figure out how to how to get my body prepared for that. It was it was a long journey to even be able to do that marathon. And once I crossed that finish line a year ago, it, it was the most rewarding. I felt like I closed one chapter and opened up an entirely a new chapter. I felt like I put this like chronic pain identity, this like weak, incapable, even though I still wasn't in pain, I still felt like less than I, I thought I had completely closed that chapter of my life. And crossing the finish line of my first marathon a year ago was just, what else can I do? I never thought I would actually be in a race like this. And that's what made me start to think about, is there more than a marathon? <laughs> Is there, you know, what's next? Is there, is there something bigger than this? And so naturally the progression was to do a 50 miler. Um, but I, like I kind of said, I couldn't just do a regular 50. I kind of had to go intense, you know, maybe I was looking to prove something. I'm sure the ego had a lot to do with it. Um, but I had eventually settled on the Pacific Northwest, a place that I love and the only available ultra at the time that I felt like I could prepare myself was, um, was in the mountains. So it was off the road and it was pretty rough terrain. Um, That's it, what, a, what an amazing yeah. thing to think about. So for our listeners, I want to put some context around this. 50 miles, obviously, that's a lot longer than most people will ever run in their entire life. But 15,000 feet of elevation gain and loss is astounding. I mean, some of the toughest hikes that I do on a regular basis will have between 1,500 and 3,000 feet of elevation gain. 
um, in a in a relatively short period of time. And those are the ones that when I finish that out, I think, oh my gosh, my I feel it in my joints. I'm sore. I'm tired. Like it just beats me up to think that you're doing 15,000 feet up and then 15,000 feet back down gain and loss over that 50 mile period. That's, I mean, that is absolutely astounding. I would challenge our listeners to just go out and try and get a thousand foot elevation gain in less than an hour. See how you feel and then compare this to what that 15 and 15 looks like. So you, you had this uh, identity shift um, that you, you went through and I can certainly resonate with that because you, you said something about, you've been coaching others to do these really big things. You've been coaching professional athletes and there's a, there's something that shifts inside of you where you say, okay, but now I need to do that in order to remain credible. Maybe that maybe it is an ego piece, but I've felt that before where I thought, what can I do? And it's maybe ego. It's maybe a little curiosity too, but it pushes us to go above and beyond what we were able to do before. So talk a little bit about the shift mentally as you went from the pain guy getting out of pain to now you're going into this ultra performance. What happened uh, between your ears? You know, it was, it was a step out of the textbooks. It was a step out of the certifications. It was a step out of all of the, you know, academic process of this is how the body works and this is how it needs to be treated. And this is how you approach problems. And it put me into the other side of it, which is this is what you can now go do once having solved those problems. I was so focused on the getting to the that it was almost like I had horse blinders on, but I forgot, oh, well, this is this is really why we're doing this. We don't just get out of pain mm. to get out of pain. Yeah. It's to go like find, like find fulfillment. And whether it's to play with your kids, whether being a little extreme like I did, there's the after part that has to be done. You know, nobody just, I, I don't want to say nobody because I'm sure there are people. It's what I've learned always. Nobody just wants to improve squatting to improve squatting. It's always for something. It's to feel more capable. It's to it's to do mm. the things. Maybe it's to, again, play with your kids. Maybe it's to put on the size or strength that you've always wanted or to have the ability to do uh, a fitness class or a movement. I mean, it's always, there's always a greater purpose to why we're doing things. I think we are all incredibly, we have a high capacity of dealing with pain. That's part of the human condition is we just can deal with it. But there's, it, it, it's the not doing the things we want to do. That's the hard part. It's the yeah. living less than that's the hard part. And I think I was just, I was just tired of it. You kind of get to that point physically, emotionally, you just say, well, yeah, I fixed this, but I fixed it for a reason. And I think that there's something that happens at different stages of life where we say, okay, we, we've improved this one thing, but now what? What's the next iteration of our evolution? Uh, what does that next level look like? I, I can certainly resonate with what you're talking about. You know, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, I had been in health and fitness for well over 20 years. And the pandemic forced me into some different in, uh, industries. And so without having consistent coaching or clients, 
I took a step back and said, well, what do I really want as a, as a 44, 45 year old guy? What do I really want? And that changed my perspective. And so then I went all in on uh, my new goal and what I wanted to accomplish. And then once I accomplished that new goal, I finished that up and said, well, now what, what's next? I don't think we ever get to that point where we're ever just completely content and we say, all right, I'm going to kick my feet up and now everything's fine. And I think you referenced that a little bit in our previous episode that people can get out of pain. And when I asked you, how long does it take? Your response was very, very profound where you said, how long do you want to be out of pain? Yeah. Right. It's not just a matter of we're getting out of pain for the sake of being out of pain. As you just said, we're getting out of pain so that we can do more. Now, you're not stopping with just this uh, 50, I say just this, sorry. I mean, I don't mean to minimize <laughs> this massive 50 mile race, but yeah. you're not stopping there. You're going to another ultra that's coming up. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah. So there's a race as soon as I cross the finish line of the 50, right? which, which I'd love to share more about what that experience was like. Yes, I, uh -huh. I gave everything that I had on that course and I had accomplished everything I wanted. There was this moment of just fulfillment and satisfaction of, it, it wasn't even about the race. It was all the training. It was who I became to get to that race, right? There was so much enjoying fulfillment. And as I crossed the finish line and the person puts my, the, the medal on my neck, before I even had that moment to just breathe and revel in this accomplishment, the race director comes up and says, shakes my hand, says, congratulations, you just qualified for XYZ race. Your time wow. qualifies you. So it was wow. just already, you know, it was already, okay, well, what's next? What's next, right? I never even really enjoyed that moment. And, and what's next was the time that it's I It's like the finish for, line became uh, the starting line, right? The finish again, line became the, the new starting line. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's just life, man. That's life. Yeah. 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 That I'm, I'm learning that's life. Uh, and so this next race, I, th I think again, in my fashion, it can't just be like down the street and a casual race. It's gotta be some big, you know, story. So, uh, this next race is going to be in Europe it starts out in France, runs around the mountains into Italy, and then back to the starting wow. point again. It's not wow. 15,000 feet. It's 15,000 meters of vertical climb. Ooh. Wow. So we're talking some 45,000 feet. This thing is going to be a monster. Um, it's about 111 kilometers. So we've got, it's going to be over the 50 mile distance. So we've got some work to do. Um, and yeah, it's a little scary, but it's calling my name. I can imagine that's got to be terrifying to think about, but you referenced before this, this whole experience that you went through changed you as a person. Uh, tell a little bit more about the experience that you went through and what, what, uh, what happened to you? Yeah. So I, I was fully prepared for physical breakdowns that, I mean, that's my world. That's what I do. That's what I teach. That's where yeah. I live. I know how to navigate pain. I understand that very well. I was expecting to run into pain and more pain than I had been used to for a long time on that run. What I was not prepared for was the emotional breakdown. 
I had zero, okay. zero preparation for when you push your body to that level of fatigue and exhaustion, when you are just at your limit and the conversations that you have to have with yourself to keep going, that was new territory for me. All mm. of my training was, it was hard, but it was comfortable. It was within limits. If I needed to stop, I could. If I wasn't feeling the run that day, there's tomorrow, right? There, there's always some kind of negotiation with training for something like this. And that race was unforgiving. It's here. It's now. You have to get to that finish line. There's no, I, I just, I refuse to be able to, you know, tap out and just say I couldn't do something. And so not only did, you know, not only was I forced to, to deal with the emotional breakdown, um, I wasn't prepared for like childhood trauma starting to show up, you know, wow. and when you're running okay. in the mountains and you're by yourself and the sun's starting to set and you've already been running 12 hours and you've got five more hours left and you are just literally crawling because you were just exhausted. Um, again, I was prepared for physical breakdown, but I wasn't prepared for that, that just really gnarly spiraling negative talk and that cycle of, of every moment and memory of not feeling good enough, not feeling like I was enough and I was capable enough to do something. Um, I started to, you know, we're talking, I had five hours left. I started to think about all of the people that wish me luck and all of my followers and fans and members of my program, everybody who was believing in me, man, I wanted to tap out so bad. And I was thinking about like, what was I going to tell people? I yeah. couldn't just tell them that I wasn't good enough, that eh, I failed and maybe next year, you know, I, I wasn't prepared to show people how to lose because I had felt like I had lost for so long. I wanted to win, man. And I wanted not win like number one, winning was just crossing that damn finish line. And yeah. this like inner child of like not feeling good enough started to show up. And I started to come up with like excuses. And I started thinking about what's the most believable lie. Oh, I got lost. And, you know, I ran 10 miles in the wrong direction. I could have done it. But if I, if not for me getting lost and, you know, made up stories, like those were the demons that showed up. It was me trying to protect just the truth that I wasn't good enough to do this. I was unprepared. Wow. I was undertrained. I did not have any of the emotional tools needed when faced with a complete breakdown physically like this and, and emotionally. And, and that's what that race showed me. Because even if I wanted to tap, I still had many miles to go until the next aid station. It just wasn't an option. There wasn't somebody waiting on the side of the road to just, okay, yeah, Vin's done. Let, let's, let's drive him back. You're in the middle of the wilderness. You have yeah. to get there yourself. What a, wow, what a powerful moment to sit there and to have to realize that regardless if you want to stop, regardless if everything mentally, emotionally, physically is telling you to quit, you still have to get there to the, at least that next aid station. I love Vinny how you talk about that this, I call it my liar. This is the part of me that when the ego wants to remind me what I used to be, the ego is brutal. 
the ego is so mean, so dirty. I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the person that fights dirtiest with us because it's only going to hit us when we're tired. It's only going to hit us when we're worn down. It's only going to show up when it knows that we are at our weakest and it starts to whisper these things into our head telling us these lies, it's almost like it just is giving us the the reasons and the excuses that we can just jump out. And I think it's, it's really common when we get pushed to that ultimate level. And as you said, when you're out there by yourself in the wilderness, it's just you and nature and your liar, your ego, that's telling you these things and telling you that all the reasons to give up. What was it at that moment that kept you going? I mean, obviously you had to, in a sense, if you wanted to, it's not like you could just sit down and somebody's going to come pick you up, but what was it that kept you moving forward? At this moment of breakdown. So just to be clear on my hands and knees crying, like bawling my eyes out, but there was no liquid coming out just for reference. This was probably around mile 37 that I had this massive breakdown. So I was, I was 13 miles away from the finish line. And these were not an easy 13 miles. There were two more peaks that I had to climb to get to this finish line. Wow. Um, okay. At mile 13 was about the last time that I really had food or water. I had a total digestive is- issue. I was running on fumes. So there was this calculation of not only is this hard as hell, but you have nothing in your system. You are running on willpower and a dream right now. That's it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. but by the time I hit this wall, I was on my hands and knees. I'm crying. There were no tears coming out. And oh, it must have just been 15, 20 minutes with my fingers just gripping the dirt, shaking and, and dry heaving where I I just started to like purge. It was just this full body. I can't explain it other than just everything was shaking. It was, it was like a trauma response, man. And I, I, I dry heaved as hard as I could two or three times. I started to sweat. I didn't think I had any sweat left in me. And then there was this calm. It was like, I, I, I got it out. I got all of this hurt and negativity, the ego protection, it just left. And I made peace that I was done. I gave it my all. I somehow had cell reception and I called my best friend and I told him, that's it, I'm done, I'm done. I just text my ride saying, pick me up at the next aid station. I'll be there when I be there. I have no idea Mm. how long it's going to take. And he just, instead of saying, okay, Vin, hey man, you, you gave it your best. Good job, buddy. Way to go. I'm proud of you. He just said, no, you're not, you're not done. And I said, well, you know, no, like I haven't eaten. I haven't drank anything. I'm dehydrated. I'm nauseous. I'm hallucinating. I'm spinning. This is not good. I just threw up. I can't take this. He's like, stop. I know that's real. Everything you're feeling is real. And it's not true. Tell yourself a different story. Wow. And it was just like, okay. I 
am not done. I am going to finish. I picked myself back up, hung up the phone. Man, I ran as fast as I could, as hard as I could for five more hours. And I crushed oh, it. <laughs> that is amazing. What a great friend. Let's just uh, uh, give him a <laughs> right now. Yeah, let, let's shout him out, out real quick, right? Until, oh my gosh, what a, what a best friend. Because that's what they are there for, is to help us to rewrite the narrative. But what a powerful breakthrough. There are so many analogies here that we could pull from this. Literally, hands and knees, yeah. right? I, I, I had one down. call. I, I had one call to make, one person. And uh -huh. it could have been my mom, right? That soothing motherly love of just acceptance. And it could have been, it could have been anybody, my wife who's so proud of me. It could have been my nine-year-old son who just thinks I'm a superhero. I called yeah. the man who's gonna call me out. I love that. Do you think you did that consciously or was that some sort of subconscious thing? I it was a it was a very deliberate phone call as I was going through my favorites, who is the, what okay. do I like, what needs to happen right now? And I knew if I felt a, I, I can't explain it other than just like a feminine energy. If I felt just acceptance, if I felt embraced, yeah. uh -huh. that would have concluded the race for me. Okay. I, I needed that, that masculine that director, that no, you're not, that, that, that director energy. I needed to be told what to do in that moment, not to be comforted. What I wanted was comfort. What I needed was to be directed. And so I called, I called yeah. the person who I knew was going to direct me. And I had no mental energy to negotiate and to uh, debate. Whoever said what I was going to hear next was what I was going to adopt, accept, and just move forward with. Mm. Less yin, more yang, and you called the person that was going to give you that yang, that that strong energy. I want to go back to something you said uh, a minute ago when you talked about that as you're going through this painful process, you're on your knees, you're struggling, childhood trauma comes up, emotional pain, you know you've got five hours left to go, what did that sound like in your head? It was, it was crushing. So managing something so big ahead of you for my, uh, in my example, I was trying to manage five more hours of running. I was trying to manage two more summits in my mind, mm. feeling terrible. That is overwhelming. Instead, I needed to manage the next step. That's the negotiation. It wasn't managing this really big thing in front of me. It was breaking it down and it was literally a step-by-step -step management. Okay, can I get to my feet? Can I take the next step? Where's the next rock I can sit on? I had to break down this really big thing with how terrible I was feeling. I had to break it down into the smallest, most actionable steps because the moment I started to calculate, oh God, five more hours of this, the moment that story started to build up, 
it was just further making it so unnecessary suffering. That's what that was. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a very active negotiation into keeping things small. What a beautiful process. I know um, the power of now, Eckhart Tolle talks about that, of the importance of, of coming back to the moment, coming back to now. When we think about the future, oftentimes it can be too daunting, whether it's five hours or two peaks, uh, or it's just dealing with whatever a person's dealing with in their current stressful state. But when you come back to now, there's really just one decision. There's one moment. Can I put one hand in front of the next? Can I stand up? Can I do these things? I love what you said earlier, where you said that training is easy, but the competition is really what pushed you beyond because, and I guess I've never really thought about it that way, because when you're training, you do have the ability to tap out at any point in time. If you're out on a run, you can call and get, uh, you know, get help. If you're in the gym, you can set those weights down. You can say, well, I'm going to come back another day. But challenging yourself in something like this ultra is really an ultra challenge for your emotions. It's an ultra challenge spiritually. It's an ultra challenge for your mind. And you can't tap out the same way. And I think that this, uh, this experience proved that. Yeah. And, and is that why you're doing the next one? It, it's why I'm doing the next one because, um, you know, I've, I've been in therapy for years. I've done a lot of self work for a really long time and nothing absolutely. Yes. I've learned great things. I've, I've acquired great tools. Nothing prepared me for that moment in that race, five hours away from that finish line. Wow. That race was more therapeutic than any other thing I've done in my entire life because everything else I was safe. I was always trying to work on myself when I was safe and when I was comfortable and when I was sitting mm. in a chair talking about emotions. And yeah. that is great. It's, a, it, it's good. But it never got to the heart of things, man. And it never got to the deep, deep down demons. Those, the weakest parts of myself were never exposed because I was always still trying to make myself comfortable. Even after a hard therapy session, I'm going to go treat myself. What kind of meal? Let's go get some sushi, right? Let's have, it, it was, yeah. it was always yeah. like rewards and treats and niceness and self-love and self-care. And I'm a huge proponent of that, but you can't work on yourself while you're comfortable. And even when I was in therapy, even through the trauma I've been through and the really hard things, that stuff was uncomfortable, but I could always find comfort. I could always find comfort in that moment or immediately through an external mechanism, even if it's like a TV show, a familiar friend, a conversation, a vice, whatever it was, there was always yeah. this like ability to just kind of pull myself out of the discomfort and make things a little easier, make things a little bit more bearable and tolerable. And there was none of that on that run. There was no comfort for miles, for hours, I should say. And so I was put in an environment where there was no vice. I was strictly left to 
my own thoughts, my own emotions, my own experiences. And I was so physically worn down that there was no effort to maintain ego. There was no, there was no extra energy to protect myself. I was, I was like a, a warrior who couldn't even lift up his shield anymore. And that's what that run did. That is also what I failed to realize with training. And it feels so silly saying this, but I, I thought training was physical. Okay, let's get the body capable of doing 20 miles, then 25 miles. How do we get the body to just be able to crank out 30 mile runs on a Saturday? It wasn't until the last two weeks of training that I realized, mm, I think I missed the point of training. The last two weeks before, I'm sorry, the last two weeks through the hard part of training, right? I had like a week or two taper. Um, I had a to run a marathon on Saturday, and then I had to run a half marathon on Sunday. And the idea was wear down your legs on Saturday. So by the time Sunday came around, you understood what it was like to run on tired legs because that's what's going to happen yeah. in that race, right? Yep. Yep. So one weekend was to run a marathon Saturday, half marathon on Sunday. The following weekend was to run 30 plus miles on Saturday, followed again by another half marathon on Sunday. Those training runs, I put all of the importance on Saturday. Let's have a great marathon. Let's have a great 30-mile run. And I kind of half-assed the Sunday run. I thought mm. the value was in the long run. It wasn't. It was in the, the day after when you were tired and fatigued and broken down. Yeah. Those are the, like, that's why you train is to break yourself down physically so then you can figure out how to work through things mentally. And instead of waking up on those Sundays saying, let's go, I'm going to charge it. Let's make it as easy as possible. Man, I just did a marathon yesterday. I just did 30 miles yesterday. Let's do a casual 13. Man, I should have sent that half marathon on Sunday as hard as I could so I could get closer to that emotional and physical wall that I ran into for the first time in my life in that ultra. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I just like, you're blowing my mind here with this idea of breakdown. I just made a note, break down the physical so that you can train the mental in that second uh, session. You know, far too often, I think in life, we are coming back, we're retreating. We, if we've done something hard, then we retreat to the comfort afterwards. But I, I mean, that's so profound to think about that if you break down that physical, you, all you're left with is your mental capacity. All you're left with is the spiritual depth, the emotion, the, the, the mind to will you through. And that's when the champion is made. That's when you overcome. That's when you become the true warrior that you want to become. You know, James P. Cars, uh, who is really well known for game theory, wrote a book about infinite and finite games talks about that you know in infinite games we we the goal is to just stay in the game we do what we can to stay in the game which i think health fitness wellness life it's an infinite game and if we can stay in the game that's great 
the finite game you referenced earlier, the finite game is the race, but the finite game also has to do with the roles that we have in life. And you have a role as an expert in pain and you have a role as a father, you have a role as a husband, you have a role as an inspiration to other people. And so it's almost this back and forth play between this infinite and this finite game. How did, how did you balance that as you were going through this training process? And then as you got into the race, how'd you, what did that look like? How much of this was an infinite game piece and how much of it was a finite game piece for you? It's a great question. I didn't balance it well. I didn't balance it well. I basically approached every run as an infinite game. I mean, you know, you're trying to obviously manage injury. You're trying not to just blow sure. your entire capacity in one run, right? It was yeah. the the good thing about training for an ultra is it always taught me like it's never about today. It's about also being able to show up tomorrow. Yeah. Your great run on Monday means nothing if you can't run for five days, right? So how do you reserve yourself? How do you pace yourself? I didn't, I didn't have a good balance because I was afraid. I paced my, I reserved myself too much because I wanted to be able to not get injured and be able to show up the next day and the next day. And, and by some, by some measures of success, I accomplished what I wanted. So, so maybe I did find a good balance, but I never learned how to give myself fully. It was yeah. always reserving and reserving and having this infinite mindset of, of, um, it'll never be done. And so I'm never going to give it my all. And so there, there was this like endurance mindset of saving myself. And that's where I went wrong with my training. I never thought of it as giving it my all a finite game. What do you think the solution is? You know, because as you're as you're saying this, you're kind of you're 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 hitting me pretty deep in my soul because there's so many things in my life where I can resonate when you say I was afraid. I've lived a lot of my life afraid of certain things. And it wasn't until I started recognizing that and being open about it that I started to see this where I'm playing, I, I tell myself I'm playing an infinite game by not going all in on something, but it also becomes an excuse, quite frankly. When I'm not pushing hard, if I didn't achieve the success in this area or that area, I can say, well, yeah, but I didn't try that hard because I was trying to save myself for these other things. You know, I want to be a good father. I want to be this. I want to be all that. And it, at the end of the day, I'm just lying to myself. I'm, I'm running from what is my greatest potential because of fear. What do you, what's the new wisdom for you after having gone through this? What does that look like? Well, it starts by me understanding what I'm actually capable of. That's what that run showed me. Okay. Even when I was at my limit, man, when I was done, I had five more hours of intensity in me I had five more hours, even when I was done, I didn't even know I could get to the point of being done. I had never felt that before. I've always had gas in the tank. I've always left more on the table. There's always more. I've always felt like I had a greater capacity than I was giving. So first the lesson was seeing what actually being done feels like, and then working through that and knowing that's not actually the limit. That race was the 
first truth I had ever experienced myself. I had learned many truths with life, truths with books, truths with friendships, relationships, and love, and, and just external truths, things that I found to be true. But that moment of breakdown on that race was the first time that I felt like I actually discovered what my truth was and what my capacity really is. No fear, no playing it safe. What are you actually capable of? And I thought about my friends, my family, my relationships, my business, all of the people in my business, everything in my life was so less than half of what I could give. I just thought I was giving it my all. I was going through the motions. I was playing it safe. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you can make a change until you actually feel and experience what giving it all actually feels like. And there is an accountability conversation somewhere in there of you you know, even though I didn't have a mirror in that race, it was, it was like looking myself in the mirror. What are you capable of? No, no BS, no more lying, enough with the lying, enough with the excuses. What is happening right now in your life? Why aren't you showing up? What are you afraid of? And you're going to cross that finish line in life one way or another. The question is, is like, are you actually going to be able to look back and say, man, I did give it my all. What does that feel like? Because I now know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to cross a finish line, actually having it, given it your all, no holding back, no excuses, no lying, no fluffing things up and making yourself feel more comfortable. Just the truth of you being able to say, I gave myself fully. And my God, man, what that felt like, I will not settle for anything less than that moving forward. That is beautiful. What you're capable of pushing yourself to the point where you're done. Maybe an esoteric question, but when your mind and your body tell you, I'm done, who's the I? That's a, that's a great question. Um, the I is who you think you are. It's not real. Yeah. It feels real. It feels real. It's, it's the story you tell yourself. And you have to have the wisdom in that moment. I didn't. I think may, maybe I did, which is why I made that phone call, but I didn't really. I didn't have the wisdom to understand what story I was clutching onto. Mm. There was over-identification in being done. I haven't had food or water in 25 miles. I, I, me, this. It, I was identifying myself with the story. There was so much more to give. I think sometimes I had a friend of mine the other day say something that he said, you know, Steve, I, I think a lot of people that have a modicum of intelligence in life don't achieve what they can because they study, they read, they become experts in certain areas. And then in a way that gets in their way, 
because I would imagine at that point, if I'm being honest, I would be thinking to myself, all of this physiological reasons why I couldn't keep going. Oh, this could cause this issue or this pain. I haven't had enough carbohydrates. I haven't had enough fat. I haven't had enough. The reality is you can do whatever the hell you put your mind to, right? And I don't think very many of us ever, or any of us ever get to the point where we, we reach that full breakdown point until we are like you on our hands and knees, crawling, crying, dry heaving, shaking, shivering, and then breaking through. I think there's always a breakdown before we break through. Yeah, there, there's, there's a scene from Goodwill Hunting. And Robin Williams says to Matt Damon, you know, you can tell me about the, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this completely. So please just go watch this scene to, to get a reference of it. <laughs> but he's like, you can tell me about all the poetry, but you can't tell me what it feels like to be in love. You can tell me what's in the Sistine Chapel, but you can't tell me what it feels like to stand in there and, and all of its glory. That's what that race was. It was like, I have books on how to deal with childhood trauma. I've got books on how to deal with physiological changes and adaptations. I've got a wall of certifications that have taught me exactly how to do this. But there is a difference between knowing it and being in it. Yeah. And, and until you are in it, you don't know it. You don't. One of, one of my strengths in working with people in pain with debilitating chronic injuries, I've been there. I didn't learn. I did learn about it in textbooks after I broke my back, but I know what that's life. I know what that life is like. I know yeah. how it permeates every single thing that you do think and feel how you literally reserve your day is literally a negotiation between you and comfort every waking moment you can't learn that from a book you can try you can you can learn the black and white from the book you can understand people's general experience of psychology with chronic pain but until you get to a place of you know spending what little money you have on a, on a steak dinner to cook for yourself, to treat yourself, and that steak dropping on the floor before you can eat it, and you leaving it there for nine days because you can't even fathom bending over to pick it up, and the amount of pain and agony wow. and flare-up that that's going to cause, like, until you get to that place, it's just theory, you know, it's, it's just, it's just words, they don't, they don't mean anything until you're in it. And, and that's what I'm pulling from this whole experience. You know, um, I, I think I know pain very intimately now, and I know my mind intimately now and my ability to help people, my ability to see how people are sabotaging themselves. Who are the people that are holding back? Why are they holding back? What are they not facing? There, there was just this filter. It was like my eyes changed with this race on how I see and view people because I now see all of those parts of myself that I was avoiding in others. Maybe that's projecting. Maybe that's exactly what's happening with others now that I've worked through that and I can see it. But um, that, that's why I'm going to continue to be an ultra runner, man. I want to see, I want to learn more about my mind. And I can't do that sitting here. 
I can't do that behind a computer. I can't do that buying books and audiobooks. I have to put myself back into that pain cave because that's the only thing that ever actually showed me what's really there. Yeah, I think from from my experience, when you talk about, you know, maybe it's projecting, I, I think it's more empathy. I think when you when you go through that, yeah, you can empathize and you can see what people are going through, even if they can't see it themselves. I mean, I, I completely am resonating with what you're talking about here. I remember one of the, as you said, the, one of the first main truths you experienced yourself. I remember a moment where I had this complete breakdown. Everything in my life was completely falling apart. And yet I had a, I, I was getting ready to compete in my very first natural bodybuilding competition. And I was in pain. And I'm talking physical, emotional, mental pain, like everything, the, the world was crashing down around me. And in the past, I would have tapped out. I would have looked at it, I would have said, okay, I've got, a, I've got all this stuff going on. There's other things I'm worried. I've got this concern. And I remember walking into the locker room of the gym that I was working out at uh, and that I was working at at the time. And I turned the corner, and I looked in the mirror. And for the first time I saw myself, I think for the first time in my entire life, I saw myself as this rundown, sad, scared little kid that had run from problems, hidden from problems, um, tried to find comfort where, wherever I could to um, make myself feel better in the midst of my insecurities. And I looked down at the sink and I looked up and there was something that resonated. There was something in my eyes that changed and a voice in my head that said, you've got the choice to determine whether you're done or not. You can stop, you can call it, but you know, you're, you're only about two weeks out and what you do right now matters. And so I made a decision. I, I, after having sat in my car, tears in my eyes and completely feeling broken, I looked in the mirror and I said, you know, I've never curled 50 pound dumbbells before. Not a very large guy, never have been. But I thought if I can walk out there and I can commit to myself that I'm going to do some curls with 50 pound dumbbells as a natural bodybuilder at, I think I was a probably a buck 45 at the time. If I can do that, um, I, I can do anything. And I looked in the mirror and I saw in my eyes, a sense of resolve and fear looking back at me. And I walked straight out to the, uh, uh, to the weight floor. And this is one of those, you know, smaller gyms. There's not a lot of people in it. I don't think there was anybody in the weight room that day. And I picked up the 50 pound dumbbells and I started curling and I finished and I set it down and I said, okay, if I can do that, I can keep going. And I kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And I, I, I feel like, as you said, you, you experienced that first truth, you know, inside of yourself. I knew the concept of determination. I knew the concept of what dedication looked like. I knew the, the idea of all of that. But it wasn't until I was forced in that moment to decide, am I going to keep moving forward? And then once I finished the workout, am I going to go fix all the other areas of my life that are falling apart right now? It, it moved me in a different way and I started to see life different. So I don't know that it's necessarily projecting. I think it's empathy. I think we look at other people and we say, wow, I've been through that shit. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your body posture. And, and I can certainly uh, empathize with it. And I agree with you. I, you. You can't tell somebody what it feels like, but if they've been through it, they know. 
you know, there's a, there's a quote and I'm learning very quickly. I butcher quotes. So, and, and scenes from <laughs> movies, but um, I, I do too. I'm with you. One of my favorite authors, a very poetic um, cancer survivor, his name's Mark Nepo. And he was talking about his drive up north, the 101 freeway. And he looked over in the middle of this raging storm on one rock, there was seagulls, crabs, and seals. Though completely different, they all know the same hammering of the storm. They know the same hammering of the sea. And I think there's so much truth in that for all of us. Completely different scenarios, you and I. And the overlap is, well, what can you do? Can you just take that next step? What can you do to just move forward a little bit? And then we do that again, and we do it again. And one of those reps turns into two reps. And, and that's where we start. But we can only start when we, when, we, when we can actually have an honest conversation with ourselves. No more fluffing. No more you look in the mirror saying, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. This is good. I feel good. Oh, we got to cut that crap. Yeah. We, we, we have to cut it and be open and honest. I stopped asking people, how, how are you? Because it continues a narrative. Good. Are you? Are you? Are you good? It doesn't look like that. And it doesn't feel like that. Let's get to the real answer. How's your heart? What are you feeling today? What problems are you dealing with that you have a hard time talking about and admitting? Let's start there and build our way up because we can't have any change if we're just lying to ourselves. We can't. What a great question. How's your heart? Instead of how are you? How's your heart? I love that. I'm stealing that from you right now. <laughs> yeah, steal it and, and, it every and watch. Day. What happens when you ask somebody that, even if it's somebody you literally just met, it cuts through everything. And when you don't yeah. let them get away from answering it and you just stare at them kindly and lovingly, you actually get to see what's going on. And maybe they're like, oh, it's actually hurting today a lot. And here's why. You know, you, you just get through it. And, and I think that's what, what we all need to do is we need to hold ourselves more directly to um, what's really going on. Stop the fluff. And that's why I called the guy who I needed to call in that run. There wasn't, there's no fluff in this man. It's just straight to the heart of things. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Which I think is a great deal of compassion and kindness. When somebody is very direct with you, that to me is the ultimate compassion and kindness. I'd much rather have very direct, very straight people in my life that just cut through the the minutia and tell me tell me what they think. Tell me like how it is. Don't fluff me up. Don't give me some sort of pat on the back when I don't deserve it. Just tell me what is. And I've found over the years I I gravitate more and more towards those types of people because I just, I, I find they're much more, much more compassionate. Yeah. You're, you're how many weeks out from your race? What did you, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Uh, it was, what is this? October. It was October 15th. So yeah, probably about okay. five-ish, five-ish weeks out now. What, what are you doing different now based on what you learned? I'm no longer settling 
for relationships. I'm no longer settling in friendships. I'm no longer a, I'm no longer lowering my expectations of how I need to live my life because I know what's possible and what's out there. Um, I am no longer lying to myself about I'm good. The days I'm not good, I'm going to let people know that and I'm going to share that. And there's no more performance from me. It's just heart and it's what's happening genuinely and authentically in my life. Um, I'm, I'm moving daily closer towards a place of, of staying within that truth, um, staying within my truth and understanding what that, what that even means and how to communicate no longer suppressing what I need and what I feel for the sake of managing others and making others feel good. I'm going to live fully and allow others to experiencing me fully. So it's been a lot less holding back and a lot more communicating because now I feel like I'm communicating from a place of knowing myself instead of just trying to manage other people's perception of myself. So, that, so that's been a big thing. I, I wish there was revelations and training have actually kind of relaxed training a little bit, just trying to take time to recoup. And I'm still processing what the hell happened five weeks ago. Um, Sure. And, yeah. and and how that's changed me. I feel much more in tune with what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of. And I think one of the biggest changes since this race is this grind culture that I just have like consciously and also subconsciously mm. sub subscribed to of always grinding, always pushing. Yes, that's cool. But it's okay to be honest that you need to take the day off for your mental health. And that that's okay. That's allowed. Who you are is allowed and what you feel is allowed. And the, the better, the more honest I am with what I need and who I am, the better everybody is going to be around me. That is yeah. what's been very clear. So there's been a, a very radical shift in a lot of those deep childhood wounds, they're, they're just starting to heal. And I'm starting to, uh, I don't feel like a seven-year-old anymore. I don't feel like a hurt little kid. I don't feel like the world is my dad. I feel like I'm here and I'm ready and I'm capable and I'm going to show up fully. And I'm excited to see what that even means because I have built a successful business holding back. In case it failed, I could say, well, man, I didn't really give it my all and that's okay. It's no more safety, man. It's no more being, it's no, it's just no more playing safe and being safe. I want to know what it feels like to fail after giving it my all instead of trying to lie to myself to just keep myself comfortable. I'm no longer interested in living like that. Wow. A couple of things that really stood out to me. You no longer feel like the child anymore. How many of us are sitting here listening to this episode and living in that arrested development state in some area of our life because we haven't dealt with that childhood trauma. We haven't dealt with the issues and childhood trauma. I mean, we talk about this and I think a lot of people, in fact, I was talking to somebody the other day that said, oh, I didn't think I had trauma until I learned what happens, or, or excuse me, what the uh, results were. And then as, as the uh, therapist was explaining to me, and I sat there and I heard what she was saying, and I thought, oh, I do have 
childhood trauma or I do have this type of trauma and I just never recognized it. But how many people are living in that space that whatever stories have been created in our minds are still torturing us now, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. I love that where you say you no longer are living in that space and you're no longer accepting going partially in. Now you're completely naked to the world to just say, I'm all in, I'm going full bore. And if I've created a successful business up to this point uh, with an arm tied behind my back, what is it, what's it going to look like? Talk a little yeah. bit about that grind culture though, because far too many people, especially in America are saying, but, but Vinny, you're not going to make it happen unless you grind, unless you keep going. And it sounds like you've reached a different state mentally and emotionally where you say, I can go all in and I don't necessarily need to follow the grind culture. What, how are you balancing that in your mind or what, what are you doing to shift that paradigm? Yeah. So, um, first of all, my days were ruled by work. Okay. They were that I oriented myself based on business. I oriented myself, my way of navigating my day and my life was primarily anchored in doing things for other people and external metrics okay. of success, money, uh, revenue. I mean, the list just goes on. Yes, the grind is still happening. It's life. I mean, life is a grind. It's what it is but I'm going to do it in a way that serves me now. And I'm not taking anybody's phone call until 10 a.m. because those first hours in the morning are for me. That's my time. That's, that's for me to okay. recharge my batteries. I'm not going to be communicating with people. Um, you know, I, I've got some 210,000 followers just on Instagram, uh, tens of thousands more on other social platforms. Everybody has 24-7 round-the-clock access to me if I allow it. And I allowed it for a really long time. I would be from morning to evening in family dinners, trying, you know, lie, laying in bed with my wife next to me, watching TV shows, going to the movies, going out with friends, whatever it was, replying, being there for other people. And that's, that's really good. And, and I feel really good about how I've shown up for people in many ways. Um, but that's not sustainable. You can't build a business with no boundaries. And that's, that's what right. I was. I, I had become a chameleon and I've lost myself just for the purpose of helping people. And that's what the grind culture was to me. It, there are so many people that need help. And I felt personally responsible to help each and every one of them. And that never ends. And it was that way when I had 10,000 followers and it's only getting worse and growing more. I've put systems in place. We've hired people to take care of things. There are people who can now help me show up and, and do some of the heavy lifting for me. We can still be successful but I've got to learn how to change the grind. Otherwise I'm not going to be grinding for much longer. Yeah. So boundaries systems. I mean, because you've got, um, you got several pieces, several things that you're working on right now. I mean, you've got a, 
you, you said earlier before we started recording that you've got a few missing pieces in the business that you want to shore up of creating cardio programs, strength programs, helping people to not only get through pain, but how do you start to implement this into a cardio and strength program? So you still have a lot of things that you're working on building, but it sounds like these boundaries are forcing you to then create systems to in integrate people to grow what you want to grow without diminishing the most valuable and the most important resource. And that's you. Yeah. And, and I've got to work on growing the business because it's my, my purpose and passion to help as many people as possible. I, I know what it's like to need help and, and this information will and can help. So I need to get it out to as many people as possible. It is my, I've got to work on the business. I have to work in the business to fulfill any, any missing, to fill any, any empty holes. Like, yeah, I help people move and feel better. I help restore movement, but people go to a gym and not know what to do next. And how do you do cardio in a way that's beneficial for you and doesn't run into repetitive injuries over time? How do you structure a strength workout where you leave the gym feeling more functional than when you walked in, not pumped and tight yeah. and swollen, like you can barely move? How do you actually yeah. train the body to do the things you want to do? These are the missing pieces in the holes. And so I have to manage growing the business and working in the business simultaneously. What I want to do is absolve all boundaries and just grind to get that done. And it's going to take a couple more months if I do that. I have to make peace with, this is probably going to be about a year left of, of program design and development because I have to enforce boundaries. And that's just how long it's going to take. There is no forcing and rushing this at the sacrifice of, of the self anymore. I had that. That's not happiness. That's not fulfillment. That's just task completion. There's got to be much more than that. Yeah. But you're starting to play this infinite game in life, because if you do want to have a great life, happiness, fulfillment, engagement with family, all of these other pieces to life that I'm sure are, uh, you know, critical to your mission in life, you start to play this infinite game. Uh, I, I made that shift recently where I, I felt myself trying to rush certain things. And I thought, why am I doing this? I mean, I'm, I'm going to create this. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to create it. I'm in the process of creating it. But I'm probably going to be better at creating this over six months than I will in six weeks. Because then I'll be restored. I'll have the, the functionality to do what I want to do. So I can completely resonate with what you're saying right now. And I got to tell our listeners, I mean, one of the things that made me very happy was when I reached back out to you and I said, hey, Vinny, we got to do another episode. You said, yep, love it. Here's my calendar. Um, I'm probably about three or four weeks out. Uh, and I think it was literally four or five weeks later that we are now getting on the podcast, which goes to show you're creating these boundaries of your time and when you're going to do certain things of working in for in the business and growing the business. So. I can't tell you thanks enough for for taking the time, carving the time out to uh, to come and join us. Um, I got to be honest. I mean, this is a different conversation than I had imagined. <laughs> this yep. is a different conversation than I had written down. And yet it's the conversation that I know I personally needed and that I'm sure our listeners needed as well. And this is one of the reasons why, Vinny, I think you make such an impact on other people you have in my life 
and I know you have in many other people's lives, is because you show up on a day-to-day basis as authentic as you can be. And in showing up, we can have this back and forth conversation and I can be moved to the point of where I feel it deep in my soul. I feel it in my mind. I feel it in every cell in my body. What you're talking about just resonates. So I can't thank you enough for showing up and, and uh, you know, just being you, which then forced a different conversation than I thought we were going to have today. It, it's absolutely beautiful. Vinny, I know we're coming up on our time here, um, and I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about your uh, the, the main uh, services and products that you put out there. I know we mentioned that you have a few new things that you're working on. Uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about your pain assessment toolkit and then the flagship product that you, uh, that you promote. Yeah, so I, I've got a two-step process to helping people make, make some pretty radical changes in their lives. The first step is getting started with a very short course called the pain assessment toolkit. If you're having imbalance, discomfort, pain, restriction, limitation, if, if your body just feels off, that's where you start. Because I'm going to show you through six very simple movement tests, what's really happening to your body when you move and why. And that's going to then lay down the foundation of step two, which is the movement program. This is, this is my flagship course. This is my life work, what I call the movement program. It's 56 weeks long, and it is going to walk you through exactly what you need to do based on how exercise and movements create a positive change in your body. It's going to basically become custom tailored to suit your needs. I'm going to help you develop a movement practice, but I can only do that if you understand the problem better with the pain assessment toolkit. So both of these steps work, work really closely together and the end result, yes, it's great being out of pain, but it's even better knowing how to stay out of pain. And it's even better having the tools that you can now use to take care of your body long-term. Both of these programs and systems work to basically integrate somebody back into a way of having movement, being a really vital, enriching moment of their day. That, that feeds them, that fuels them. And if we can help you develop a movement practice that serves your body now and long-term, you just start changing as a human being. You start saying yes to more things. And as your capacity of movement improves, you start to want to move more. It is a, it's an effect that happens with every single person in this program. So if you're having any kind of movement issues, if you feel like you're just kind of lost or floating around and not really knowing what to do, you got to start there. Start with the pain assessment toolkit. And let me just show you step-by-step step what you need to do to, to have a comeback story. I think part of what is is great about the content that you put out and what you've created is it's about educating people relative to their own body, to pain, yes, but how to move the body to get out of pain and stay out of pain. I've always been a big believer. I've seen this in my personal life as well, that pain is the thing that keeps me from being my best self. So if I've got an ache, if I have a pain, my body will adapt away from it. Uh, you know, it'll fix my gait in a weird way to where I don't feel that knee pain or that hip pain, but it doesn't fix the problem. And it keeps me from living my most evolved self. And so I think getting out of pain and learning how to move properly just invigorates our mission and our purpose in life so that whoever we are, whatever we're here for, whatever that path of growth and evolution looks like, now we can do it because we are out of pain. So uh, I'm 
highly recommend our, our uh, listeners jump on and uh, follow you on social media and, and jump into these uh, programs. Well, Vinny Crispino, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and sharing some amazing wisdom through your personal story and uh, all of the things that you have learned uh, recently. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, to follow your great journey and to purchase these programs? So the best way to purchase the programs is going to painacademy.net, www.painacademy.net. All of the information that you need is there. If you want to get in touch, reach out to our email support at painacademy.net. And I highly recommend you follow any of our social channels on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. We're, we're all over the place. And I try to release as as much helpful content and information uh, on there. So, so hopefully you can start to experience things. I think you have to feel what I'm talking about before you understand what I'm talking about. So I've got free routines, free exercises and guides all up on my website. Check it out. That's where you start. I love it. Well, once again, Vinny, thanks for joining us. And hey, folks, uh, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.